Yo, I'm Will. Welcome. I call this little experiment anything is everything. It's gotta be called something. The intention here is to share interesting, courageous, enlightening, vulnerable, strange, silly conversations to uh, maybe hopefully inspire something in you. All right, cool. Bye. <sighs> cool. Welcome back, people, to the Anything is Everything podcast. And today I'm joined with a really, really wonderful woman, Marissa Cranfill, founder, inventor, mastermind of the Yochi yoga and Qigong system. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, hello, people. So can you give us a little bit of your background? Like I, I saw on your site that you had quite a few trips to Asia when you were young. What, yeah, was, all, I, what was all that about? I lived in Thailand for about 15 years. We still have a place there. It's just with COVID kind of, I left because of the COVID situation um, um, for the last couple of years. But yeah, I grew up going to Thailand from my mom. She started a silk company when I was a kid. And so we would frequently go to Thailand. She'd be working and I'd be just playing on the floor with the other Thai kids at the factories. And um, and then when I graduated high school, I knew that that's what I wanted to do was go back to Asia, study Asian languages and religion and culture. So I did my university in Asia and wound up just staying there and living there. So, yeah. That's super cool. How long were those were those trips when you were young? Like, was it just weeks at a time or months sometimes? Yeah, as or? a kid, they were just like a couple weeks at a time, like 10 days. Um, but then when uh, when I was 17, we went back, and that's when uh, right when I was graduating high school, and I was like, okay, I'm sure this is where I want to go to school. Hmm. And I found some program at Long Island University that actually had school, um, like sister school centers in Japan and China. And... So I went to those. I attended school in China for my senior year. And then I would use Thailand as like my summer summer kind of play play place. And uh, once I graduated after the fourth year of college, um, I still hadn't finished my thesis yet. So I stayed on in Thailand, extended my my year and then wrote the thesis there and um, and started working in the silk business for my mom, helping her out. And that okay, kind of merged. Cool. So, yeah. Wow. I was That'd doing... be a whole interesting world. Oh, yeah. It's Asia, of course, influenced and had a, has had a huge influence on my life. So coming back to the States after so many years was, was always a bit challenging to integrate back in. And, but now yeah, it's no here. I've been here a while. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're on top of it. What was... Uh... So you were in the silk business for a bit, and then was your introductions to yoga and qigong right in Thailand, like when you were when you were working and stuff, or how did you how did you come across those? Well, I was interested. Like I studied yoga and actually some qigong tai chi in when I was a teenager, um, mm. but I really didn't know what it was, or it was just I was just interested in everything spiritual. So I was trying a little this, a little that, mm. <clears throat> and. When I went to school in China at Zhejiang Dashui, which is a university in Hangzhou, 
they offered mm. Tai Chi as like an extra curriculum course in the program for any of the international students that were studying at the university. So it wasn't just my program, but it, there was multiple programs from all over the world at the school. So mm. we would all get together and do the Tai Chi on the uh, training field at the university with the teacher, the master. And one day nobody showed up for class. It was just me and the master. <laughs> so he was like, well, we don't have a group to do Tai Chi because it's really like a group type of thing. He's like, so it's better we do Qigong today. And I knew Qigong, but, you know, wasn't, it was not a lot. And so I was like, all right, that's cool. And he's like, let's go to the forest. And then I was like, whoa, okay. So just me and you, all right. There's a big botanical <laughs> garden behind the university. So we hiked out there and he had me stand like a tree, um, with a tree, and do this standing meditation. And it uh, taught me how to breathe with the tree and how to adjust my posture and how to meditate and relax my mind. And then I was convinced. I was like, this, this is what I want to learn. This is what I want to do. Because I was already studying meditation, uh, formal seated you know, meditation. But now it was like, now I'm using my body and I'm connecting to nature and I meditate. Like it was everything in one that I had wanted to, uh. to learn. And so then I started pursuing Qigong from there more and more. Yeah. That's so cool. I love how things happen like that. You know, like it just, just so happened you're the only one to, to show up that day. Yeah. And just so happened you had a super cool sensei to take you to the forest. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. like your, your feelings when you were like, was there any visceral, like energetic feelings you had like during that tree meditation that maybe you hadn't fully felt before or was energy something you'd been feeling moving already? I had always felt energy because I grew up on the ocean. So the ocean is really powerful. I mean, anyone that comes to my home, this is actually the home I grew up and you go out outside on the balcony and it's just it's like amazing. So I grew up feeling that and knowing that there was something there. And it was like, how do I tap into that? How do I like, there's all this power. And I know that there's this power in me and like, but I don't didn't know what to do. And so that day in the forest, I, I just knew again, it was like, here's this experience. Now he's teaching me the method. There's a technique to connect and there's a way. And so, you know, gradually through time, through practice, you, you empty the mind, you empty the desire to connect. Cause that's really what blocks is like, mm. I want to connect. I want to connect. But once you let that go, then you are connected. <laughs> so so it's just really through this practice of letting go and being present. And, um, but there were definitely crazy experiences that I had throughout my studies, especially in the temples, because I lived in the temple for about a year. I was living in the temple, different temples, and studying with the nuns and monks. And there wow. were transmissions that happened that were supernatural, that were like unexplainable and very powerful experiences that I... Uh -huh. Yeah, that sometimes thinking back as it's so long ago, it's like, did that really happen? And like, how, you know? So, yeah. Is there a particular transmission that you'd be willing to share what you can? <laughs> sure. Often um, 
the nuns or the monks would would like to open my third eye. So um, we would usually, I would always come through sitting. So they'd be like, let's sit together. Okay. So we sit and meditate, usually facing each other. And then suddenly light would start to like light, like my conscious, like logical mind would be like, did someone turn the lights on in the room? And, but it was like football field lights. It wasn't just like someone turned on lights. It was like, shit, that's a lot of light. Like, where's all this light coming from? And then there's the, the meditative mind that's allowing the light to grow. So you have this kind of dialogue going on of like, what's going on? What's going on? And then the bliss comes and it's just this gratitude that you can't explain. It's like love and gratitude, love and gratitude. Like, thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So happy. This is so perfect. Um, and then usually I start laughing because it's just so funny. Yeah. Everything just feels so funny. Um, and breathing because you have to breathe deeper and slower to integrate that energy when that frequency comes in, when you're opening up here. It's like such a high vibration. In order to ground that in the body, you have to breathe it in and digest it and process it. And it's very beautiful. And afterward, I'm usually very high <laughs> for a while. And um happy and can see aura, can see the aura around people, can more sensitive to, to the vibrations around. And it usually lasts a few days um, and then it fades away. So, mm-hmm. but once you get these kind of um, experiences with a little help from your friends that have, you know, mm-hmm. the powers, it's easier to tap into those states through your own practice. So um, then if I was doing a meditation retreat for a, a deep one, maybe for eight days or 10 day retreat, then I could go, go access those states on my own where the light would start to come, but never, never at the level that they were doing, not yet, but it's, but you know, it's there once you experience it. So something to look yeah. forward to. Yeah. Wow. So cool. Oh man, so many things came up for me during that. That was beautiful. <laughs> like the first one is that like, <clears throat> um, I feel like the difference for me between like a real, a real experience like that is that when it's happening, I, my conscious mind is still like, oh my God, like, is this, is this happening? You know, what, rather than like maybe me trying to like think my way into those experiences do you know what i mean it's like when the experience like starts it just kind of like takes over and it like it it's doesn't really matter what you're thinking about or not thinking about it's just like happening do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like that flow state i feel like mm-hmm. and so you found it or you kind of alluded to finding it kind of easier to tap into that like the more you practice and yeah, the, the I more see you it gain as understanding. I see it as getting imprints in the aura. That's how I understand it. Is um, mm. the more you can entrain yourself, your aura around high vibration people, people who have worked so hard, like nuns and monks, hours, thousands of hours of cultivation. Just like any master musician has spent thousands of hours of learning to play their their instrument. It's the same. These people have spent thousands of hours of cultivating their their mind and their heart. And so when you get around these people and you build up a rapport and a trust between them, um, you are getting an imprint in your aura. And that is that's 
the whole point of like the Sangha and being in a temple, a good temple, um, is that you are supported by that group energy in your practice. And then, of course, there's always the benefit of going off on your own, too, and being alone because we have our own guides and our own, you know, guides and masters that are sending us energy, too. And that can be the helpful um, ones that are going to, like, help help us along our path as well. So, so there's both. There's, like, you know, the secluded internal forest monk type, and then there's the temple monk. But because I've explored both, I understand the benefits, and there are benefits to both. And, um, yeah, so it does make it easier when you're practicing once you've had kind of these experiences with, with true masters and teachers. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. I want to go so many different directions again. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any like advice for people? Because nowadays there are so many people that are claiming to have, to be holding the medicine, you know, to be, to be holding the knowledge and this kind of stuff that it's like, you know, a, a Google search or a social media search will give you like thousands of masters. So do you have any advice on people being able to like sift through that and like mm-hmm. really find the people that are actually heart centered and like, you know, able to able to cultivate the growth in us? It's tricky. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can say is you have to use your sensing. Um, and if you don't know how, then you got to learn how <laughs> to trust yourself, um, to trust your your sensing. Um, we have sensing in our gut, we have sensing in our heart, we have sensing up here. So there's different ways that we sense uh, intuitively, right? Um, and so you want to learn how to use all these different aspects of yourself to sense, feel, and to, to know. And so now I have a pretty clear gauge. And I'll cross-check with my other friends who have that gauge too. I'll be like, hey, check this person out. What do you feel? Like, what do you think? You know? Um so I have like a handful of people that I'll do that with if I'm really serious. And, and yeah, that's the best way to know. Cause charlatans are charlatans. They're going to post, you know, they're going to have a fancy, a fancy show that might be hard to see through. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So this is beautiful. It brings us towards the cultivating the sensing. So what are, what are the best what are the best ways to cultivate the sensing? First is um, trusting yourself. So uh, um, tuning in to yourself and knowing knowing who you are, where you are right now, because this is the first level is we have to trust ourselves first. And um, trusting our connection to source. So that you tune in, learn to tune into the heaven and tune into the earth and to be this conduit of energy. So you want to open up your channel between heaven and earth. So in Qigong, we have a lot of exercises to do this. Um, and in Yoji system, we, we have different exercises throughout every phase to do this. And so first you want to like clear the pipes, you know, to clear out all of the stuff that's blocking you from seeing the truth. And that can be limiting beliefs. Um, within yourself. It can be toxins within the body. It could be energetic, um, just stuff that you're holding on to. So there's so many different things we, we hold on to that can block us from seeing the truth. And um, clearing that out and then strengthening our energy 
and opening the channel so that you are connected. And, and once you create this, this trust, then the information starts to flow pretty nicely. Yeah. So one affirmation I like is, um, is I trust life. And mm. we say this affirmation at the end of the Qigong routine in Yochi because we want to first clear out all of the things that would prevent that affirmation from being true to our subconscious mind. And we will insert that affirmation at the stage of Qigong flow where we're already, now we're circulating the Qi and the Qi's moving and then we can pause, hold, and bring that affirmation in. And it's really powerful because you feel it resonate in your energy, in your cells, in your body, and it's all integrated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Love that. Yeah, some of my <clears throat> some of my brothers shared uh, kind of a, a metaphor or whatever, and it's that you got to clear the runway so the planes can either take off or land, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that, like getting rid of the toxins or, you know, dealing with the traumas or dealing with that, like that neighbor that is bugging you, like just go and talk to him and like sort it out, you know, and then you can have room for the other stuff. Yeah. And the other one that I would love to share and see how you feel about, because it can be hard to like know what to trust, you know, when it comes to like our internal, our internal voice. Um, Cause like for me, the voice that I often hear that is like, that is my inspiration or that is my intuition is like the same as my thinking voice, you know? So it could kind of be tough to be like, oh, but actually, which am I just like thinking my way out of this or whatever? So my aunt shared with me, um, the only thing to doubt is doubt. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what do you feel about that one? Yeah. Well, um, doubt is the it's actually the emotion in chinese it's the emotion of the spleen so uh, when the spleen is out of balance or weak we doubt we doubt ourselves and um yeah so when you cultivate the energy of the spleen uh that's that's this is the qigong way and to address doubt is we clear the doubt we transform the doubt into trust and send energy into our spleen and we bring in the sound we do the golden light and connecting to the earth force because the earth is actually what gives us support and is our nourishment it is our foundation so when we feel nourished and we feel supported then we don't doubt because we always know that that we have we have the earth under our feet and we're always here right now and we can always do something you know right now to transform whatever doubt is arising. Yeah. Uh -huh. So good. Mm -hmm. Personal power. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay. So you're talking about golden light talking about energy. What the heck is Qigong? Somebody's <laughs> never, I've, I've never tried it before. What is this? Really? You're just standing there. Yeah. Well, there's standing postures and there's actually movement. There's um, Qigong is huge. It's just a word. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's a new word. It's a new word for uh, a system of practices of energy cultivation that's thousands of years old and has hundreds of different words, actually. <laughs> like the original mm. words, word for Qigong, there's many different words in Chinese, 
but the modern word that they've put it all and slapped into one word is just qigong, which is energy cultivation or energy skill. So it's being skilled at working with energy. And in Asia and for the Chinese, they don't question energy. Qi is qi. And it's, it's this word qi is in so many aspects of their life, including like, how's the weather today? They'll be like, in English, that would translate as, how is the heaven chi today? Like, mm. so that's what they're asking each other if they say, how's the weather? Um, or mm. if they're angry, it's like windy chi. Like, I have windy chi. I'm angry. So they, they see the world of movement, like wind, weather, or emotion, which is internal wind, as energy moving. And energy is not, it's not good or bad. It's just like the Tao. The Tao doesn't take sides. It gives birth to good mm. and evil. So our idea of good and bad, like we let that go. And we just say there's, there's chi that will, can harm you, pathogenic chi. And then there's chi that is good for you. And it's about balance. So are you going to cultivate the harmful chi or are you going to cultivate the beneficial chi? Now, are you going to let your trash pile up in your house or are you going to take the trash and throw it out, you know, and then, mm. you know, make your house clean and fresh and put crystals and good smells and nice things. So that's like mm. our own energy system in our own body. How are, how are we going to cultivate the energy that we have? Yeah. So that's what Qigong it. does. Thank it cultivates the, the good chi. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, it feels so good. It's the best. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the yogic system is also another place in the world where, you know, energy and prana is, you know, in the society. Um, so tell me about how you, how you fuse the two and what was your inspiration for that maybe? Well, I started with uh, meditation practice and then I learned Qigong practice and then I moved to Thailand full time and they didn't have Qigong mm -hmm much Qigong in Thailand, but there was a lot of yoga. And so um, there's actually a great studio next to my office in Bangkok. And I became close with the owner and started training there every day. And um, because he was very energetic and he, I loved his style. So I just went really deep into yoga and it became my practice. I got certified to teach and everything. And I was teaching in Bangkok <clears throat> just for fun, because I already had work, um, but I just love to teach. And then practicing at home, and I didn't want to give up that Qigong practice that I already had, so I would do both. And that's how kind of Yochi arose, was I was doing both in my personal practice, and then I was assisting my meditation master in Bangkok, and she, she asked me, she said, why don't we do some yoga and Qigong? Um, in the mornings. And and normally the Thai system of meditation, they don't allow you to bring in other stuff, especially exercise. Mm. Whereas in China, it's different. Chinese um, temples, Buddhist temples, they do exercise. In Thailand, they don't. Um, so mm. this was special. And she, she just said, you know, make it bring in the mindfulness, keep it very meditative and mindful. And it's still meditation. And I was like, yeah, people loved it. So that really inspired me to keep going and developing a system that I could teach. And 
I wanted to develop a system that not only I would teach, but others could teach as well, because it, I've trained, you know, 15 years in these arts and you could train a lifetime in the arts. Um, but I still, I still had to search for pieces, 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 pieces to answer all my questions and to figure out how this, how does energy work? And so yeah. that's what Yochi is, is really, it's a system that explains how energy moves through six different phases. And with that, you can apply that to yoga and you can apply that to Qigong. And that gives you an effective way to combine the two. So, um, we have, I, I teach Qigong flow, which is basic Qigong that flows one movement into the next. And then I teach yin yoga with Qigong and yang yoga sequences with Qigong. And the yang yoga is more martial. Um, so mm-hmm. it starts to really bring in the martial arts aspect of both yoga and Qigong. Because yoga is also a martial arts practice. They just don't mm. talk about it so much in the West because <laughs> it became more mm. acrobatic. But yeah. So cool. I love it. <clears throat> I love how our path just finds us. And I mean, what I <clears throat> what I see from from your path is that you just felt so good doing it. You know, it was like it probably just felt obvious that, you know, this is the thing that you should chase. Yeah, it answered all the questions I had as a child, um, you know, it fulfills me spiritually in every way without me having to cling to some dogma. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I can read the Tao and the Buddhist way and, um, completely devote myself to these paths and, and completely respect and bow to the Buddha with all my heart without feeling like I'm bowing to, you know, some people resist that um, bowing mm-hmm. and um, because I get it and it's freedom. It is real freedom mm-hmm. when you're empowered within yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, you mentioned something that would be new to me and that I would like to selfishly learn about the six phases that energy moves through. Yeah. The six phases briefly. Um, the first phase is the earth. So it's a tune mm. and that's, we tune into the earth. We tune into our self and we tune into heaven. So we basically align that central channel between heaven and earth. And we do that mm. through posture. So in any martial arts practice, yoga practice, energy practice, you have to first align your structure and, and tune into your structure. Um, because if you're out of alignment in these, in these practices, then the theory is that the chi doesn't flow. And Hmm. I would say that it's not that it's going to be like blocked and bad and not flow. Um, but rather when we do stand properly and we do align properly, the chi moves, like you feel it activated and it's 10 times stronger. So, you want to start off in, with a good, strong container. And then the second phase is the metal element, which metal corresponds in Chinese to the lungs. So this is the breath, and this is Xi in Chinese. So it's uh, regulating the breath, and it's purging. So now we're going to clear. We're going to do all the purging exercises in Qigong to release tension. It's a lot of stretching the tendons in the neck, opening the chest, the spine, the hips, everything, just releasing and letting go. 
and then shaking and um, all these breathing exercises that are very clearing. So we breathe in the nose and blow out the mouth to, to mm. release. And there's also meditations I teach as well to work with the energy field. And then after metal comes water. So I knew it. <laughs> yeah, this is the five <laughs> element cycle. Um, so Love the it. Tiao Jing is uh, regulate the essence. So now we are mm. tonifying our qi, and that means to strengthen. So once you've cleared, now we can strengthen the qi. And we do this through the kidneys, because the kidneys are your energy battery, um, where your jing is stored. And the jing is your life force, your life essence. So nourishing the kidneys. We do um, a lot of different kidney tonification exercises. It's very classic in Qigong. And then once you're strong, the qi will actually naturally start to rise and grow. That's the wood element. So once you get past tonification, you've done pretty much the foundation of hard work of attune, uh, purge, and tonify. Then it's, it's more fun because the energy starts mm. to move. It starts to grow. You feel it. So... Growth is, um, we do a lot of standing like a tree. So now we're building. We do a lot of chi balls. So we're building here. And a lot of spirals. So spirals mm. are the way energy moves and it grows, right? In nature and everything. So that's the growth phase. And then the next is fire. So wood creates fire. And that circulate. So now we want to take all this chi that we've built up and we want to circulate it through the body so we have meridians and channels that we specifically circulate it through many people know the microcosmic orbit which runs up the back and down the front and so we circulate through this microcosmic orbit channel and we have different loops and we have different techniques and it's also um, the heart because this is the the fire element and then once the chi is circulating then the last phase is integrate. So we bring it all mm. back into the center and integrate into the three Dantian and store. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> I love that. I know what my next <laughs> practice is going to focus on. <laughs> Thank you. That's so beautiful. Did that, did you figure all that out? Did that all come to you or is this like amalgamations of other, oh, geez, sorry, uh, of other, teachers insights yeah. and stuff i figured it out just based on my study so they have all these these phases are chinese like tiao shen is regulating the body tiao shi is regulating the breath so they have the tiao means regulate regulating the energy but nobody ever put it in a, a sequence so i saw mm -hmm. these and i was like well, these are these are the elements and so I saw how the five elements flow and then I put those in. And I've also studied with a lot of healers and shamans in Asia. So I saw also they were working through the same exact flow of energy. Um, so it was kind of just really obvious to me. And then with all the colors. So we have the colored lights and sounds and yeah, it all flows together. Well, that's so good. I'm so inspired. <laughs> I want to check out your training so bad. Yes, come. We'll, uh, I mean, yeah, we're growing and we have such a great um, program and support. So, mm -hmm. 
I was going to, I was going to prompt you about it at the end, but you have a training coming up in February. Isn't that right? I canceled it yesterday. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Thailand, Thailand blocked the sandbox program they had. And due to this Omicron, Omicron and COVID, and they probably are going to open it back up next week, but I just, it's too close to the date to know. And then they could just shut down again like overnight they don't care they just shut down and then the day before everyone's gonna fly like could just you know it's so risky so i was like forget it let's just and you know also with covid you don't want it's spreading still and you don't want to take risks and totally yeah oh that sucks that's sucks yeah for, but we moved it to november okay I have, wonderful. A feeling, I have a feeling november will be a good it by november things will be Things gotta be better. <laughs> Things gotta oh, yeah, be for sure. Be opening, yeah. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it for sure. Do you do we any have... online trainings? Um, I do. We the whole online course. The whole course is online. So hmm. uh, we have the live immersion, which is the nine days where we go through every phase. Um, but hmm. prior to that, you can do the whole course online. Um, so the live immersion is just a way that I can see you connect with you, check your posture, check your flow and help adjust and then answer questions and go a bit deeper in the meditations. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. I'm so grateful that, that you've been able to, um, move it online because it is, it is a really digestible and like accessible way for, you know, people to just spread their teachings so much further. So I'm really grateful that you've been able to do that because I can see a massive benefit in the system that you've created. I get it. I'm sure other people get it too. <laughs> it's extensive. That's the one thing about with with me. I I don't leave stuff out. So um and and this kind of stuff can you can just go on and on and on and on. I I give you enough and then it's like, okay, if you want to go deeper into the vagus nerve, go go deeper in the vagus nerve, right? But we def- we'll go and explore what is the vagus nerve and how does it relate to our chi. Uh, so I try to bring in all the the science, the anatomy with the energy as well. Um, but the course is extensive, so be prepared. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> feel ready. confident. We have a very high rate of teachers after an immersion going back home and just starting to teach like the first week that they're home because they're so excited to, to share the information and confident. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. And I just got to give you some props because it's not just the students. It's also definitely very much the teacher being able to transmit these things. And, you know, you're, you're really living it from your heart. And when that happens, it's like, it makes it easy for other people, I think. So well done. Kudos. Thank you. I'm curious, <clears throat> in your own personal practice, um, what kinds of things are you like expanding into? Um, like, are you doing a lot of like exploration on things that you maybe haven't fully dove into before? Or are you keeping keeping really tight with the basics? Or what kind of what does your practice look like these days? I practice with the seasons. So um stillness is something like in winter that I use the stillness and go deeper 
And I feel like stillness is a lifetime practice. I mean, to me, stillness is the ultimate practice. We get caught up in all these fancy, fancy practices. And what's next? What's the next level? What's next? Especially in Qigong mm -hmm. and energy work. Um, mm. But really, it's, it's about emptying the mind and just being still. And how long can you sit still and empty? Because uh, that's when the stuff starts to happen. <laughs> the real stuff is when we surrender and empty and stop trying. So stillness is a luxury practice for me because I have so many practices that are doing. Um, so integrating that being and still with the doing. And um, the movement is important. I do a daily basic, I have daily basic practices that I do just for maintenance because uh, we're living in a, I live in the world like everybody else. So I'm on a computer like everybody else a lot and I'm writing. So, you know, I have the neck tension and stuff like that arise. And so mm. you're constantly having, just constantly stretching and opening the tendons. So yeah, in spring, I'll move into the tendon neigong stuff, which is so powerful, like Yijin Jing, um, Yijin Jing stuff where building up the energy in the limbs and the tendons and that's the growth that's when things start to really transform so i feel like every year every year my practice goes to another level even if i'm doing the same stuff <laughs> and when i want to learn something new usually a master appears in my life and um somebody who's got a higher level of training in in, a, in a, something that i've never studied before like so whether it's Tai Chi or Bagua or martial arts. And so that's, that's where I'm exploring right now personally is more in the martial arts and fighting applications. Um, oh. But you even ask a martial artist and they'll tell you like, it's not about, it's not about the fighting, right? It's mm -hmm. about the stillness. So mm -hmm. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. also, <clears throat> excuse me i'm also focusing on martial arts at the moment <clears throat> and i'm curious um well i guess i'm just curious about your martial arts practice like is there is there a particular style that you really enjoy and connect with over others or do you have a particular teacher or what is kind of your uh your way to access that medicine well, right now, um, so I do Chen Tai Chi. Tai Chi is a form of martial arts. It's a it's a internal um, internal martial art they call it, right? <clears throat> so it uses it has fighting applications, um, but they're soft. And Chen mm -hmm. is actually more of explosive. So you're really cultivating your fajing, your explosive internal power, where you you know pop out. And so that's one um, that I'm that I'm into. So tomorrow I'll go train with with one of my masters. His name's Jesse Cao. He's in San Diego. He's amazing. He's Chinese, mm. um, sweetest, kindest person. And it's Jesse G E S S E T S A O. I think if you Google him, like he would come up. Jesse Tao, that Tai Chi <clears throat> style. And then Matt Matt Lucas M A T T. Hmm. L-U-C-A-S, Matt Lucas, um, theyamasystems.com. So Matt is mm. my, is, is very, 
close with me and he's trains me. So he's like the most brilliant, brilliant martial artist and yoga master and Qigong master that I've ever met in. Yeah. Mm. So check him out too. Beautiful. I shall. I'm sure that people will too. It's so cool how these, you know, these martial arts masters are like the most grounded, the most gentle people, you know, they're so kind. It's like, it's so interesting. I love it. And soft, like even the, Mm -hmm. like you see, you, you feel them and, um, or you see them and they're, they're soft. They're not like huge, but they're so strong. Like they're like a brick Mm -hmm. inside, but then they're like soft in their tissues, you know? Mm. Could that perhaps be, could that perhaps be because of, you know, the energy that they're moving? Or what do you think? How do how does that cult how does that softness get cultivated? I think it's when they're not holding tension, um, they're not carrying and holding the tension, and they. So in Chinese, there's the connective tissue. It's not precisely connective tissue, but it's it's like the space between the muscle and the bone and the muscle and the tissue. It's called huang. So the Chinese already knew about this like connective tissue, which today in yin yoga, and it's become very popular, myofascial release, right? So, and you do massage, so you know about this. So all this fascia, like a web that runs through our body just connects everything. And so mm. this web in Chinese, the huang is where like the qi, is a lot of qi is moving and you want this huang to be um, liquid, um, soft, and liquid and Mm. but strong like water is strong right and water has a memory and so we want to build the water chi in the body through the huang through the connective tissue and we don't want to have fire chi you need a balance of fire and water but when there's too much fire chi that's inflammation and so a lot of people are carrying around inflammation and um yeah so i think that these guys uh through their practice and that's why the real martial artists, they meditate and they do Qigong also like they, and they, they just stand and release um, because they're cultivating their Huang and their Qi, not just their muscles and their explosive power. Mm-hmm. So yeah. good. Yeah. And I feel, <clears throat> and I mean, you're living it, but um, it's, I feel it's important to have like such a rounded practice, you know, like, if you're if you're only doing yin, then you might get really flexible and really soft, but you're not gonna have a ton of strength, you know? Yeah, core strength is so important, especially as we age. Like the older, you know, I don't know how old you are. I'm in my forties, mid almost mm. mid forties. So um it's so important to stabilize the spine, stabilize the hips and and core strength. So you asked about my training. I've actually added a lot more core, especially since training with Matt and training with more martial arts stuff is you need that core for the martial arts kicks and everything. Um, but it's good. It, it prevents injury and it stabilizes the body. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It's so good. It's weird. This, this concept of balance just keeps showing up as if it's like really important or something. I don't know. 
you know, balanced balance. diet. Oh yeah. Emotions. It just, yeah. it seems to be really good. <laughs> balance yin and yang always. Yeah. Internal, external strength and surrender. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. North America, Asia, <laughs> you got a it's, pretty good balance there. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to travel. Um, then you it's travel creates balance in your psyche, you know, in your attachments to your, Hmm. who you are and yeah yeah and through through balance it comes comes expansion so Hmm. we we often think balance is so boring right we like to get the high of people like to drink coffee and get get all coffee high and then or or smoke smoke a joint and chill out um and these are just extremes of yin and yang again and that's what mm-hmm. people love the roller coaster, right? Uh, so when we when we stay in a balanced state, and we can, if we can sustain balance, and that's that stillness, if we can sustain the balance through all the boredom, <laughs> and the mind will start, the monkey mind will start to reject this. It's like resisting this, like oh, it's bored. I want to do something. No, if you can hold it and unwavering and then that's when this breakthrough happens and it's actually so much more um fulfilling than swinging Mm. all the time right so hopefully that's where we're headed in the world right now is we're trying to find our way and collectively Mm -hmm. yeah i love it so you're saying that we should drink a bunch of coffee and smoke joints at the same time. <laughs> Just kidding, obviously. Or maybe not. I think that's what they do in Amsterdam and it works out. Right. Um, I I love that concept of like the swinging and, and my mind always goes to that, whether it's like, <clears throat> you know, big things like... Um, like feminism and that kind of stuff coming back into like balance and like that kind of thing. And so I, I kind of see, I kind of see things in my life as well as a swing of the pendulum. So I've definitely experienced times of like laziness after like, you know, after like leaving, leaving full-time sports and that kind of stuff, then it was like, okay, huge period of like laziness. And then it was like, okay, too much lazy. Now I got to like work out multiple times a day again you know, that kind of thing. Um, what, how do, uh, what's your recommendation for like, for like, how do we notice when, when we're letting that pendulum swing too far? Like, are there, are there signs in our lives when we've like done a bit too much of something? Yeah. You just don't feel good, you know, or you feel the Mm -hmm. grasping, the desire, Um, it's like, are you okay just to sit and, and do nothing like, or do you have this need or desire to reach for the phone and check Facebook or whatever, or, um, or to think like, what can I eat? Cause you know, I want to put something in my mouth, like something tasty or, you know, and I speak for myself (laughs) because I'm aware of this all day, often with overwork. Um, because we put ourselves in a state of work, work. I put myself in a state of work, work, work. And then I know I need a break and it's time for a break. And it's like, um, I'm out of balance. 
So it's like, what mm. am I going to do now? Because now I just want to go reach for a piece of chocolate or go make a cup of tea and, um, you know, or do something, check the phone. And then it's like, no, stop, breathe, be, and be there with that feeling and like go through it. So feel your way through when you go into that imbalance. Don't try to swing the other way to compensate. And, and it's you feel like you're balancing by going and doing that thing, but it's actually, it's just, it's just flipping. And we're fl- you're flipping the energy, flipping the energy, and eventually that leads to a burnout. And a lot mm-hmm. of people experience these crises of burnout. And it can be mm-hmm. emotional burnout or physical burnout or even mental burnout. Um, so over time, it eventually will show up as something that's obvious. Mm-hmm. But it's better to keep it more subtle and prevent, prevent the big thing from happening by using awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just tuning yeah, in. Yeah. Have you experienced moments of like burnout over the last 15 years of your dedicated practice and building your system? The last few years was challenging. Um, Mm -hmm. I have some practices that help with uh, adrenal and kidney burnout. Um, So yeah, I have been on the verge of that a few times and I have, you know, had sleeping issues. So what usually happens for me is I get so wound up that I can't fall asleep at night because I'm wound, Mm. wound, 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 wound from work and thinking. And, um, and I'll still do my Qigong practice, which, um, can sometimes (laughs) amplify. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, in that case, yeah, then I have to really take actions to to reset my nervous system, vagus nerve, and go into the tonifying. You know, that's when you know you need to tonify. Tonify is to rest, mm. to surrender, to nourish, to let go, mm. and um, mm. create that time and space. So, mm-hmm. and for so many Sometimes of us, COVID you just is, gotta. Mm, no, you go. I was gonna say COVID's go given ahead. us a chance to slow down for a lot of yeah. people. So. Yeah, massive blessing in that sense. Yeah, you just got to sit sit by the ocean sometimes. Yeah. I totally resonate. I'm, I I grew up in Victoria, which is also, you know, it's an island. So there's there's just something about the ocean that like not mountains are mountains have a certain energy for sure. But the ocean is just like, I don't know what it is. There's there's almost nothing else that can make my mind still as quickly, you know, for, I don't know what's, tell me about your experience with, with the ocean and your connection to it. Oh, it's just, it's, it's so purifying. Yeah. It's clearing and it's, it's also the, so the sunsets here, um, it's like no sunset is the same. So uh-huh. this this sun over the water and the elements of fire and water together combining it's it's so powerful. Um so for me it's not just the ocean but it's those sparkles. Like every day just mm. the, the sparkles on the water, it's the light. Um it's like heaven, just pure heaven. Mm. And the elements. So that uh, going back to my mid eye, I, I sometimes I just that's what I do is I just stare at that light and um, 
like absorb it. Pine, the pineal gland, it responds to light. So that's why we like sparkly things, especially girls. But we love sparkly, shining things because our pineal gland is being stimulated and that mm. feels good and that raises our energy and wakes us up. So, yeah. Nice. I love that. Are there, so you mentioned trees in the very beginning. Are there other, um, or what, what other forms of nature do you feel like the most connected to? All nature is, is good, you know, <laughs> deserts, forests, everything. I love it all, really. Desert can become uh-huh. a bit dry because we're like with the water thing. <laughs> I love water. Uh-huh. Um, so I do crave the water after being in the desert for a while. Um, but yeah, forests. In Thailand, it's more jungle. Whereas, you know, in America and Canada, it's more like sequoias and these redwoods and things, um, different energies of forests. But in in Thailand, they they revere trees as having spirits. And so they'll mm. actually tie things around the trees. And I have a whole website as well called spirithouseconnection.com if anybody's interested in the Thai shaman shaman traditions. So I studied with Thai shamans for seven years. And this, I became like the first Westerner to ordain as, the, as a priestess to do that, to Whoa. build a spirit house in the land to, to do the ritual. Um, so that's all there on the website. But we work with the trees in those rituals. So trees are... Um, they have roots that grow into the earth. So in Thailand, they connect to the underworld and they grow uh, to the heavens. So they are like uh, tell like a, a pole of energy, right? A conductor. Uh, yeah. Whoa, yeah, that's so whole, wild. I would love to learn topic. more about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got some minutes left. <laughs> How did you get involved with the Thai shamanism? Um, well, in, let's see. I living in Asia, there's there's Buddhism, but the Buddhism never it was grafted on top of animism. So animism animism existed mm-hmm. first, and like mm-hmm. Taoism in China is is Qigong comes from Taoism. But before Taoism, they were shamans, and so everybody began with shamans, right? We know this now. And so in the Buddhist temples, you'll still see shamanic animistic little things that got integrated and in china they believe in the land guardians and the spirits so every morning at the temple the priestess the head priestess would be putting rice on a pillar um, for the spirits and for the the land guardians and the angels well in thailand they have these gorgeous little spirit houses everywhere in front of Hmm. homes markets gas stations everywhere temples and so I got interested in how the spirit houses um, fit into the Buddhism and how Thai people were able to kind of accept both of these different traditions. And I started researching it and I found, um, I studied with like four different shamans uh, throughout the years. Um, but the first one was really my biggest initiation because he he went into detail of every single aspect of the ritual with me and I wrote it down and I took pictures and I took notes 
And then I would just go out exploring on my own. So I traveled around every region of Thailand, every province, and I photographed over 10,000 spirit houses. And so you can see these on the website. They're gorgeous. They have their own character, their own personality, because mm. they the Thais build them for the land, and each region has its own customs. So it really reflects the, the different customs of the regions, kind of like food. You know, the flavors of food reflects the region. So it's the same with the spirit houses. And mm. the names of the spirits inside are the same. And the myths are pretty much the same. They actually come from India and Hinduism. Mm. Um, but they'll tweak the names to be more local. So it's it's very yeah. interesting. But to understand it deeper, you have to understand that Thailand is a kingdom. And the kingdom of Thailand, this the system of of a monarchy comes from the Khmer Empire, which was in Cambodia, right? The Angkor Wat period. And that mm. Khmer Empire was Hindu. So they they came from India. So they had Hindu Brahmin priests that legitimated the king and the king was an incarnation of Vishnu. So he was called a Rama. Mm. So in Thailand, the kings are Ramas, Rama 1, Rama 2, Rama 3, right? Now we have Rama 10. So hmm. it's a Hindu tradition. And so spirit houses are Hindu. But that that's what I was curious. I was like, how can you have this Hindu thing? and But you're in a Buddhist society. So this was really what I was trying to integrate. And um, there will be a book one day. <laughs> but it's, but yes, please. When, it, when I retire, <laughs> it'll be my. Yeah, take your time. Yeah. It's fascinating. There's no Russian life. Uh, no kidding. I am super interested in all things traditional shamanism. So that's really freaking cool. What's that website called again? Spirithouseconnection.com. Cool. Yeah. Super cool. I'll definitely check it out. I love that. Have you been to you have a, Thailand or Asia? Go ahead. Have you been to Asia? I've been to I've only been to Bali. Uh -huh. Not only I've got, I've been, I've yeah. got to go to Bali. I went there for breathwork training. And what, what I was reminded of was outside every home is a little like offering thing that kind of does actually look like a little house. So I'm wondering if like, this is, you know, little spirit houses in the same kind of way. It is. You know, they, they go out and yeah. leave offerings all the time. Yeah, there it is. It's the same. The Balinese have their, yeah. their spirit animistic spirit culture as well and they're very detailed yeah uh-huh yeah yeah i i was blown away by the culture there because like you know in in north america or western civilization um spirituality is reserved for sundays at church you know but what i what i saw over there was that spirituality is constantly everywhere you know, and they're like, they're, it's not this thing that you need to go and practice a certain time. They they have their ceremonies and their festivals, but it's like every single day is an honoring of, you know, of spirit or spirits and that kind of thing. It's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. So and that's can, why it starts understand. with, if they believe, if we believed like them, that the house had a spirit, the actual house. So when they build their mm -hmm. house, they're already building they're put the spirits are in the pillars and in the walls and you know and then the ground has a spirit the land that you're building your house on so you're 
it, you're not alone. It's like we are just guests on this planet and we're living in nature and we have to live in harmony with nature and, con and communicate with it or else nature's going to mm. eat us because that's it will, you know, uh -huh. like uh, totally. Uh, we tend to glorify nature in the West as well. Um, but nature really doesn't care about us. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's about how to live in harmony with it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, no piece of nature is favored over another. Like, you know, it, in the case of two trees growing beside each other, whichever one grows bigger, faster is going to take up the space, you know? Like the, mm -hmm. the forest doesn't really care which one, which one grows up and yeah. So how, how can that be translated into like, into like a message of awareness for like, you know, our society that is getting more and more, I hate to say disconnected from nature, but it kind of, kind of seems to be happening. There is a lot of, a lot of people that are reconnecting and, you know, going back to their own roots or exploring traditional roots of other kinds but there is also this whole other push of nature that is or of humanity that is glorifying technology over everything yeah so how can that how can that awareness of like you know of nature doesn't care how can that be translated into like you know a push for people to care about nature i think it'll like we just um we're going to learn the hard way because <laughs> even technology requires minerals and those minerals are running out. So now, you know, we're looking to other planets for minerals and things. And um, yeah, and it requires, technology requires water as well. Uh, so all these computer, the, they have to use a ton of water in factories to create devices and the computers a ton of water to wash and so we depend upon these resources but most people don't see it that way so when they start to run out and starts to affect our technology then we'll start to to feel it but yeah it seems like we're gonna have to learn the hard way um i know there's a lot of positive stuff going on new inventions so it's really an exciting time to see how how it goes because living in we create these luxurious places to live that shelter us from nature and that's good like it helps us live we live longer now and we're more comfortable um uh -huh. but what happens is um we can only stay in this controlled environment for so long until our internal the nature within us will start to go out of balance, right? So mm -hmm. now we develop more psychological issues in modern society and, you know, emotional issues. Um, so whether it's external nature or internal nature, we're always going to have to face, face ourselves and how mm -hmm. to connect. So you can connect to heaven and earth on, on the 36th floor. I, I connect to heaven and earth in the 36th floor of my high-rise condo in Bangkok. Right. And it's not as powerful as if I go walk down to Limpini Park and put my feet on the ground and stand next to a tree. That's like, psh, like lots of energy, mm. but it can still be done. Right. Uh -huh. 
So we, um, we can transcend time and space with our consciousness. So that's also another aspect is to know we are nature. We also are the most evolved, evolved species on this planet. But like, how mm-hmm. are we going to use this power that we have? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. <laughs> oh, man. That was such a good yes. summation of so many things. We're, uh, <laughs> we're getting, we're right around the hour mark. Um, and I, I, I just want to ask you one more thing. What is, um, what, what is something that, if if the majority of people on the planet focused on would bring us into more harmony with each other, with spirit, and with nature? What is something that we could all collectively focus on? I know it sounds so cliche, but love. <laughs> yeah. Love. Uh-huh. Loving self and acceptance. Love and acceptance. And it's for it, like you have anti-vaxxers and then you have pro-vaxxers and like both of these people want, want, just want what's best for humanity. And then they hate each other. And it's like, I really want what's best for humans and I really want best for humans, but I hate you. (laughs) And it's like, is (laughs) that what's best for humans to hate each other because you believe something that someone like, so when it, make more sense if we just all loved and accepted each other and could have a conversation, you know, and, and work things out with conscious, just with consciousness. Um, yeah. So love. (laughs) That's adorable. It's so true. It's so true. It always comes back to love people. Yeah. The Beatles love is all you need, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Love and communication, yeah. For sure. Compassion, understanding. I think it, it, it was acceptance, you said, I think. And I think that's that's a really big one. Oh, man, we could keep going forever. I could keep going forever. I could steal all your time if you allowed me to. So I will not do that because you've got a lot of things to do and the people are lucky to have you sharing your medicine. So on behalf of all the people, Marissa, thank you for thank you. following your That's path really and fun. sharing your medicine. Yeah. Thank Thanks you so much. Thanks for giving me the place to, to share. I mean, it's my favorite things to talk about is, is these beautiful resources we have always. So yeah. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Of course. Thank you. And I didn't tell you, but, um, where I found you out was actually on YouTube when I was just searching some uh, some Qigong stuff, and I love your I love your practices so much. I'm I'm actually going to seek seek training in your medicines. So I really recommend everybody to chase down Yochi. And where can where can they do that? So we have the free YouTube Yochi Yoga and Qigong uh, videos, and then there's a video on Demand Library. And it's fifteen dollars mm. a month, um, but here I'm I'm able to have the funding to produce more videos in a way that I can present them in a, a format to support you. So you have a 
practices for every season and different topics and things like that. And this library is always growing. So this is a great place to start. And you get a free mm. one-month trial when you sign up. So you can just, just see if you like it. And then if you don't, just cancel it for free. And also the online course is there. And you can read about everything on the Yochi website. So yochi.com, Y-O-Q-I.com. Epic. I'm going to check that out right now. Um, yeah. are, you, uh, are you all online these days? Or do you have a, you have a place in Thailand? Right As now, because well? of like COVID, I don't have a studio, but I mean, in Thailand, I would teach at studios. Yeah, I have I have okay, a few cool. studios and places I teach live, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, now it's just just online. Soon, soon it will open. Yeah. I'm sure. Beautiful. Thank you so much. People, check out Marissa's magic medicine. It's literally amazing. And she's so heart-centered that like you can't go wrong with these practices seriously let's you got anything go else let's move some cheat <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's move some cheat in a beautiful way <laughs> all right folks thank you so much talk soon all right